The Raw Rugby Podcast. Welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. It's great to be with you for another week of rugby. Thanks to the Raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. We love hearing from you. We love hearing that everyone seems to be really loving the discussions we're getting into each week. And remember, if there's a question or an issue you want us to tackle, just leave us a comment under the episode page every Wednesday on the Raw or hit us up on the socials or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll tackle them when we can. Joining me once again, back in the Raw Rugby Podcast, Texas studio, it's global rugby traveller and future podcast coup attempt leader, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. We we need to we need to address the elephant in the room, don't we? And that is that you you uh, put a little sneaky extra bonus podcast in without me over the weekend from Cardiff. How's it, Brett? I love you still. I'm gonna change. It was it was it wasn't love, it was was not real, it was just Nick Bishop and I in a pub. It was a moment, I couldn't help myself. And uh, there was a fire, there was some beer, and we started partying. Yeah. No, it, it, one one uh, thing led to another. Very it, nice. meant, it meant nothing to me. Yeah, I get all that. <laughs> I pushed record. <laughs> and I pushed record. That's what I did. <laughs> Excellent. Very, very good. On the topic, uh, there is a bonus episode five of Harry and Nick Bishop in a Welsh pub, a very historic Welsh pub uh from uh, from a rugby point of view as well and it's absolutely worth checking out it was recorded the friday night before the wales france uh, six nations game last weekend but there's just a great rugby chat in it that i've listened to two or three times and i was actually going to play a clip here but it's not going to do it justice so go back to it check it out it's it's a really cool um chat plenty to talk about in another big week of super rugby pacific especially from the penultimate round of the six nations as well best we get into it mate and best we get into it with another great guest the Raw Rugby Podcast. So with the budget not blown on rugby trips to Europe this week, it's great to roll out the third chair once again and great to have on the Raw Rugby Podcast senior sports writer, former deputy sports editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, Ian Payton. Hello, mate. G'day, guys. How are we? Yeah, we're really well, really well. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you uh, giving us some time. Not at all. Well, when Harry rang me from the pub um, and suggested <laughs> I get involved in his podcast, um, I thought, great. Uh, it did sound a bit strange because I know you were doing one too, Brett. So, um, yeah. Which one are we on, by the way? Are we on Harry's podcast or or Brett? This, this is the official one, right? Yeah, okay. For, for now, no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be on on the Raw and um, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's great to um, great to be on one of the great sports websites in of the modern era. <laughs> we'll absolutely take nice those endorsement. I have had yeah, my name yeah. on the raw every now and then. Um, some of some of it been kind, some of it not mm. not so kind. But it's um, that's what makes the raw such a great part of the um, the rugby discourse, the sporting discourse. And now yes. with the great Tony Harper running the show, well, it's uh, it's only going to go one way, <laughs> which is a great dig. Oh, which is a great dig. I'll, I'll leave that. That's an open ended. Yeah. Yes, it's an open ended. Yeah. Starting it on thick today, but hey, Ian, we're number one in Norway, so you're gonna have a huge, <laughs> yes. a huge Scandinavian yeah. following. For yeah, your column. I noticed, uh, I noticed, very Hong good. Kong, 
Hong Kong dropped off us last week after we said we were big over there. But yeah, hello to our Norwegian listeners, which is which is great to know. Uh, let's kick off like we do uh, every week. Uh, what stood out for the weekend? And let me say that it starts and ends with this highlight from James Slipper. Simone, better and better each week for the Brumbies. Banks, what a pass! Lodigan for Banks, who winds up and reaches out for the try. There's the killer blow from Banks. He has been on fire tonight. Oh, put a number 10 on James Slipper's back. Beautifully held up by the veteran. Plenty of pats on the head for him. Tom Banks, a great line coming from a hidden position at pace. I thought it was Lonigan live. It happened so quick that through the pass it was so sweet and it was slips. Guys, I don't think you'll find a better highlight than the weekend. That that, that pass, Pato, from from James Slipper. Um, I mean, is it it's grand final or the great best passes ever? Surely. Reminded me of. Do you remember a um, the great Craig Young who used to play for the yes. Dragons? He used to yes. do a lot of a lot of bum on work, as Ryan HG called it, <laughs> like bum to the line. I haven't seen it as good a bum on pass since since Craig Young. No, it was fantastic, wasn't it? And the modern prop, um, I think most of them wouldn't be allowed in the front rowers' union anymore. They're all extremely skillful, aren't they, these days? Yeah. And James Slipper showing a sneaky amount of skill there. Was it was it marginal? Was it borderline that pass? I'm, I think in Canberra it would have been it would have been seen as very backward, but look, fantastic. <laughs> um, fantastic kind of timing, really, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it, it really sold the dummy nicely. Um coming around the, the Lonigan coming around the corner there and um I know that we're going to chat about fullbacks later but Banks is in absolutely scintillating yeah. form and um you know he knows his way to the line doesn't he yeah we're, we're going to get onto fullbacks very very shortly in fact the, the the best part of that slips offload for me Harry was that he he held it up perfectly he made it look like it was going to Ryan Lonigan like you said Pato but he saw Carter Gordon turn his shoulder in and knew Tom Banks was coming through that line. It was just, it was just a great ball. And forward or not, I mean, Harry, the forwards union takes over there. There's just no way that gets even considered as a forward pass, surely, on principle. No, it was never a forward. But also, you know, the whole thing about rugby is we're trying to create space and see space. Just create space with your bum. This is actually very simple. No one wants to tackle yeah. that. But yeah, exactly. It's late in the game. It's a prop. You don't want to be anywhere near that. <laughs> it was. It was absolutely. It, it, it takes a bit of courage, though, doesn't it, to to turn your back to the line like that? You know, that's yeah, that's kidney kidney killing territory. That and um, you know, it, we watch it and it seems like it goes forever. But that's that's done, that's done and done and dusted inside a second that sort yeah. of skill you know you got a couple of jobs there and um they would have trained that one pretty hard on the on the field i would have thought um yeah yeah it takes i just it, that's what i always admire when with those plays like that takes a lot of courage in professional footy to turn you back to the defensive line yeah yeah and particularly you know coming from a line out like that there's still a few you know lingering props coming from from the tram tracks and you never know when one's going to clean up. So it was just, it was, it was just fantastic. Peter, you're, I mentioned you're back very much on the rugby beat with the Sydney Morning Herald. You've, you've had your time in the corner office as, uh, as the deputy sports editor. What do you, what have you noticed that's different about rugby now in 2022 to what it was only a few years ago, admittedly, when you were, you're on the beat, beat properly? 
Yeah, well, I thought about that. You teed me up with this question. I had to think about it. Um, probably to start with the Forcer back. The um, <laughs> when I last reported reported the um, the Force weren't around, um, and there were some pretty uh, some pretty dark days reporting reporting those machinations. Um, and, and they're back with a vengeance too, really, aren't they? They're yeah. a fantastic team. Um, I know that they've got a very good setup, and they were kind of they they were well motivated to to stay alive and um, uh, look, you know, ex- I, I have to make my excuses to the WA listeners. They never went away, did they? They obviously no. stayed, stayed in the um, the rapid rugby kind of sphere and, and but, uh, but in terms of the super rugby, they're back. Um, you know, terrific team, well coached by Tim Sampson, have a good, have a really good um, front office and Matt Hodgson doing good things in terms of recruiting mm-hmm. players. So, so that's one, I'm, um, there's probably a few less people covering the game of rugby these days. Yes. Um, that's a, that's a sad the, the truth. The limited empire is kind of, um, is no longer the broadcaster. Um, mm. But maybe on that front, that there seems a bit more energy around around the game again in terms of, you know, you've got um, Stan have, have kind of got back into that space of putting some shows on and putting some time and effort into to broadcasting it. It's on free-to-air, obviously, which mm. is a big change. Um, super rugby that is um and yeah look you know there's there's i think probably queensland have risen a fair way in the last couple of years is probably the one thing i'd note new south wales were you know the last time i covered super rugby it's not that long ago it was only 2019 but um new south wales were kind of i guess you might say they're on a downward slide that a couple Mm. of tough years post world cup Um, but queensland have kind of really cemented what we always thought they could be that core of young players has all stayed together and James O'Connor's return has really kind of galvanized them um but yeah that's probably about it mate as Mm. far as you know the Wallabies is another different space there's there's plenty to be optimistic there I think they're really building to something um nicely obviously they weren't super consistent as far as the entire season last year but um yeah look I'm sure that once that wallaby season rolls around, that that they're getting, um, you know, I think they're starting from a better place than we have in in, in many yeah. many a year. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt about that. I'm interested that you say that it's um, that the there's certainly there's certainly less people writing about it. Uh, do you feel like it's um, maybe harder to get a story to cut through, or you've or you've got to work harder to try and get the rugby message out these days? In the super rugby space, yes. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Super rugby, um, you know, let's not beat about the bush. It's kind of lost some of its luster from sort of five, ten years ago, hasn't it? Mm, um, yeah. There, you know, that, that's a we could do a three-hour podcast here yes. about that topic alone, <laughs> certainly. But um, you know, as far as the um, as far as just the identifiable players and so on and so forth, a lot of people come up to you and say, I couldn't name, you know, mm. more than three, two or three players in in the Waratahs or whatever. They probably can, but there's just this kind of general perception that Super Rugby's fallen, fallen over. Although, having said that, look, from what I understand, the numbers on Stan and, and Channel 9 are actually really, really strong. So, mm. um, you know, we've all been doing this for a long time. There, there is a, a great latent support for rugby in this country, um, and I think a lot more people watch it probably than what they, um, than what we kind of collectively recognise. Um, 
as far as um, getting a story up. Look at the Herald, we're we're a rugby paper, so we kind yeah. of we commit. You know, we 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 um will will more often than not have rugby news going on in a paper, but um yeah, maybe as as far as just um you know, kind of the the recognizable faces factor, um, you know, that would, would generate kind of back page coverage, front mm. page coverage, getting on the, you know, the ABC news at night. Um, you'd probably be able to tell us about that as well. It's kind of that there is not that, you know, the the Quades and the the Curtleys yeah. and Curtleys coming back, but <clears throat> that that jump out name isn't necessarily there. We're maybe just working towards a new breed of those names. Yeah, it's 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 certainly it's certainly easier for me to get rugby on TV and radio uh, in here in Canberra than, than it would be in Sydney. I'm quite sure, and that's and that's you know a, a measure of the market, you know, here, and how it differs across Australia. Harry, I've always, I've always, I've been meant to ask you for a few weeks actually. How the view of Australian rugby from overseas, like how how do you view it from over there in the states? Yeah, so the phrase that I just heard, I think I'm going to use it forever now, the latent Australian rugby fan. Yeah. Uh, that's how we, we view Australians as the squirrels of the sports world. Just so many sports <laughs> to look at. And, you know, it's like a dog is trying to catch one. Uh, I mean, Ian's work shows you something. You know, he's picking different angles. Like, you know, mm. maybe you don't recognize every player in Super Rugby, but, you know, you can recognize the, every revolution of the ball. Uh, he wrote a story about the the chip and the ball. Um, so I think you know, for Australians, um, having such a long run of success in life, maybe uh, a growing economy forever, uh, sports galore, it's it's difficult to find a thing that will actually uh, make them fall in love. And for some of them, it's tribal allegiances. So I think you know, and also in rugby in general, I've always you know, growing up. With this African view of Australia, we've always viewed them as very revolutionary and um, able to find the flaws in the Springboks, you know, in a strange way, kind of violate all the rules of rugby because they come from the league, they come from AFL, they mm. pick different things, and it kind of works for some reason. Doesn't seem like it should work, but it does. So, um, yeah, I think it's challenging. Um, uh, but rugby is so much better when Australia is on the up. And for example, uh, when England tours, I mean, the whole world's going to be behind you. Yeah. And, and hoping that the Wallaby brand soars and there's something magical that happens, you know, and, and finally we can just shut Eddie up. And uh, <laughs> in his, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I saw him today, he was saying, well, you know, you, you take, a, take away, take away the first 10 minutes, mate, and the, and the last 10 minutes, mate, I think we beat Ireland. <laughs> i tell you what if we can measure games like that the wallabies record it looks a hell of a lot better than it does right now you've you've just you've just triggered something for me you mentioned chips in the ball and we need to come back to this because i actually made note on the weekend i've got i've quickly just found six different attempts at goal on the weekend of the ball hitting the post and we talked about this last week didn't we what what is it there's there's magnets it's got to be the chips it's, it's got to be i can't I can't. I can't remember. Yeah, Do you well, remember? Look, with that sort of talk, mate, <clears throat> you'd better not wander behind the post because it might hit your foil helmet <laughs> instead, of the, instead of the post. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, it just could, be careful. It could. It could improve our five G uh, reception as well, which is maybe another topic for another day. No, um, I've. 
I've I've moved um I've moved our fullback chat up up the sheet a little bit, uh, and this is um this is something that I know Tony's very keen for us to to get into. Uh, Wallabies watch and attention All Blacks. So we're gonna, we are going to focus on the Wallabies fullbacks. I'm my attention All Blacks thing, Harry, and you can talk me down from this ledge if you need to. Is this the the year that Brad Weber finally gets his chance? Is there can he get a clear shot at the as as one of the top two All Blacks? number nines. I'm surprised he's actually played 17 tests. I didn't think he played that many. I mean, he's never going to fail you, right? Brad no. Weber is a smart player. No. Um, he's got sneaky speed, uh, deceptively fast off the mark. Um, I don't know. I mean, so the thing about the, the, the big all black, black brand, and maybe it's the brand in the whole rugby right now, is, is quick ball, quick ball, quick ball. Mm. I think that's the focus for Brad Weber is, <clears throat> you know, when your shoulders are down, you're at the base. Can you get that ball to number 12 on a line, on a rope, um, you know, in, in such a way that the All Blacks have that, it's that precious moment, that, mm. that golden second. Uh, I do like that he snipes. I do think that he's, uh, he's nuggety. I suppose All Blacks coaches are looking at defense as well. So I really haven't looked at him from that stuff. No, it's, he's, a, he's a scrum half, mate. We've, we, we all have exemptions from defense. You know how it works. Like TJ Peronara, for example, I mean, he's really like an extra flank. Yeah. So and an extra referee, which is handy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we need we need to talk about Wally's fullbacks because I'm I'm intrigued to to get your 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 input here, Peter. The 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 rave of views that Will Harrison got last weekend playing against the Force came at the same time that Jordan Pataya finally gets his shot in the Queensland number fifteen, and then we've just had the clip of of Tom Banks running through that hole. It's sort of, I don't know, maybe we have had, uh, we have had a better crop of fullbacks, but it feels like they're all hitting a bit of form at the moment. Where do you, where do you sort of fall on, on current fullback stocks? Uh, look, it's still Banks, isn't it really? Um, I think everyone loves the fact that Geordie Bataille had a great game um, in his, in his kind of, move back to fullback, but look, that was more about, and there's two elements there. That was more just about getting him with the ball in his hands, wasn't it? You know, like yeah. the, the great, um, the great disappointment of Geordie Pataris, we don't see enough of him, you yeah. know, like he's an incredible athlete. Um, and that was fantastic as far as being able to get the ball in his hands. <clears throat> the second element, I guess, was the fact that it was, against the Fijian Drua, who were never going to play a kicking game. So mm. we didn't really get a sense of um, whether he can position himself well, whether he he's very good under the high ball, but whether that kind of tactical smarts that is required um, that Geordie would have that. So, no, I don't I don't see Geordie Pattaya being a contender for the Wallabies fullback jersey. I think Banks has, has got it. We just need Banks to um, be more consistent. He's mm. been brilliant for the Brumbies for a number of years now. Um, I don't know whether it's, um, you know, he hasn't necessarily taken that form to the Wallabies yet. And I don't know where, I don't quite know why. I don't know whether that's, that's a function of the Wallaby systems don't suit him or he is a little more reticent to do what Mm. he does at the Brumbies for the Wallabies. But I think solving that problem is actually the thing that, that we need to do rather than Mm. look for, a different fullback. Um, I think if if you were looking for a different fullback, um, I think the modern game you need a kicking fullback. 
Yeah. Um, I know that Banks is good with his kind of set piece kicking, um, but I would then lean, you know, I, funnily enough, I really like the look of Jock Campbell and I yeah. know that um, it's probably a bit, you know, it, I hate the idea of World Cup cycles. Like I really hate the idea of World Cup cycles. But I think that if, you know, Jock Campbell's kind of coming online, you know, you know, a year or two out from a World Cup, a year out from a World Cup, it's probably not the smartest thing to try and yeah. build him into a, a World Cup fullback at this point. But he's the, he's the sort of guy that I really like the look of in terms of have, he has a complete game. You know, he has the mm. ability to to be great with the ball in hand. He's good under the high ball. He's got a good heads-up kind of kicking game. Um, and then when you look elsewhere, you know, the... The, the Rebels, they they move their fullbacks around. They've used Reese Hodge, but we've kind of been there. I don't necessarily think that Reese Hodge is, is the answer as a Wallaby's fullback. Look, Kirtley Beal will be back for in time for the mm. England series in July. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Dave Rennie have him around the squad because he's a known entity yeah. and he can give you that. He was very impressed with him, actually, on the November tour. So he can give you that kind of, again, a guy with a kicking game as well as a running game. But no, I think, as I say, I think the answer has to be taking Banks's brilliance to the next level. I'd really love to see him be able to do that in a Wallabies jersey. Mm, yeah, I mean, international defences is probably as as a, a factor in that in that long list that you you mentioned as well. We've certainly talked about Jock Campbell before, Harry. How how are you seeing it from outside? Yeah, since I've been in the Six Nations, since I've been in three of the Six Nations. Yeah, you, uh, you, I, keep, I you keep mentioning this trip. Yeah. I compared uh, the fullbacks because I think there's very good fullbacks in the Six Nations this year. I compared the Australian fullbacks in my mind to try and get a read of who should be uh, the Wallaby. I mean, it's, it's difficult because f- a fullback is like eight. It's one of the few positions on the field where you can really have a point of difference and teams play very differently. And they can ask their 15 to do different things. Am I safe as houses? Am I a counter? Am I a left and right kicker? Am I a playmaker coming into the line? Am I a defensive organizer? So for me, Banks shapes as a, a poor man, Stuart Hogg. Um, he, has your, he has moments and at test level, those can look excruciating. And then at times they look brilliant. Um, a little bit like Hog in that sometimes it depends on what he ate that day, if he's fast or not. I think sometimes he can be reeled in very easily. Uh, Harrison looks like never missing from the tee, so he's like a Chabonet, but a little frail. And I think he get, he gets just going to get munched at test level. Um, Jock Campbell, to me, looks a bit like Freddie Stewart for England. Uh, like he looks like a rugby player. He looks mm. like someone I'd want on the team. If I'm going to the park and we're picking players just, you know, casually, Doc's my guy. Um, but Pattaya, oh, my God. He's the closest <clears throat> you have to a Liam Williams. Uh, he can really do things that no one else can do. I just don't know if he has enough time at a position. Maybe 15's the one. Um, but, my God, he scares me more as a Bach fan than any of the other guys. As mm. far as, like, going into a World Cup cycle. Sorry, Ian. Uh, this is, <laughs> uh, not Bill because Bill's like Billy LaRue who, you know, if Billy LaRue was drunk but um, <laughs> and, 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 and not and not Reese Hodge because Reese Hodge is Jordy Barrett and Jordy Barrett was shit but um, no it, I would actually pick James O'Connor ridiculous I, I realize yeah. this but 
but but throw me into a you know a quarterfinal, semifinal in in the World Cup. I'm picking James O'Connor at the 15 because he can come into the line, he can do organization. Then you have you know you have the old the old hand, but. I suppose Banks is your incumbent. I just, to me, I always think he's going to make a mistake and that his hair is on fire. This, this is where, this is where I think I'd, I'd, I'd love if Dane Hallett Petty was, you know, 27, 28 now, and you know, maybe a yard or two quicker because I just think he was such an underrated footballer. He, he would be so, so handy. I've, I've got no doubt. The Beal thing is interesting. Um, and you've both mentioned him now because he's been playing a lot of midfield for Racing in, in France, a lot of 13, even, I think, from, from memory. So how he sort of slots into a fullback jumper at international level, Pato, might be an interesting thing. Yeah, I guess, it, look, it's it, as I said, it's kind of known entity territory. It is Look, it, it's a problem position. There's no doubt about mm. that. Like, I don't know that any of those names we've, Put up, you just kind of sign it off and tick it on. Yeah, great, great choice. You know, like there are there are a number. There's no unanimous discussion there, is there? No, and think about it. You know, like if you burn a a Guido Law spot on a fullback, who's it going to be? There isn't one. So you know, this is where you start to get to to the kind of the least worst option territory. You know what I mean? There was was Um, interesting. Interesting. You know, that's not a good option, but. I don't mind the idea of, you know, like you, you talk about a Willie LaRue, um, but like he's limited, but you know what, you know the things you're going to get eight or nine out of 10 from him. And, yeah. and he's, I keep coming back to it. He's got a great kicking game. He's pretty safe under the high ball. I'd be happy with that. That's yeah. good. Give me that. Give me yeah. that all day. And they, you know, they won the World Cup. So if you're getting role players and you can get, if we've got, you know, a Marika or a, um, someone else playing the role of, um, you know, uh, Cheslin Colby. Thanks very much. Like, I see those back three spots being pretty fluid these days. You know, yeah. like, and yeah, um, the th- the thing that worries me about um, Jordi Pataya is also just his kind of durability. You know, like, yeah. not sure you're yeah. going to get two or three games in a row out of him at that at that level he even came off the other night looking yeah looking cool you know we we didn't see much from him from about 55 minutes the other night because he was battling cramps and really didn't contribute a lot after that and then did go off so yeah and i just like you know you can guarantee that smart kiwi brains and smart springbok brains are already thinking about you know like how they how they would coach against him playing you know i don't know i'm i don't you know we didn't see the wide angle but there was a couple of those those runaway draw tries where you know he was chasing kind of I don't know whether he was out of position or not but it kind of yeah. felt like where's the fullback you know so yeah anyway um yeah good debate let's see how we go I, I think that they'll stick with incumbency you know there's a power to that um to start with anyway and then yeah. gosh I don't know where you go like l- let's hope that it, it um the poor man Stuart Hogg kind of you know lifts himself up and and you know he's not He's he's not alone in this, but he's kind of a victim of us playing the All Blacks, you know, twice yeah. at the start of True. our domestic season. You know, like a couple of guys have have pretty you know off games, and then they're cooked for the year. It seems, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be great to just kind of maybe this is where the England series will help. Um, mm. You know, it'd be great to sort of see see a guy like that do some good things and build in confidence. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it will it will be interesting to see how it plays out. There was a really interesting perspective that I hadn't considered. I must admit from uh, from Hugh on the site on Tuesday, uh, and he left it uh, under the the column of mine, which was talking about twelves and inside centers and, and the difference we seem to be seeing between state and, and test level. But it, Hugh just mentioned that when you start talking about who you're picking in midfield, then you actually start considering other players on the field. And he said that, you know, Banks is a terrific runner, maybe the best fullback at the moment. But if you're 10 and 12 are also ball, ball runners, then Banks is effectively superfluous. You don't really need that straight running fullback. You want like a playmaking fullback, whether that's, you know, Spiders LaRue or, uh, you know, a Geordie Barrett or a Jock Camber or Will Harrison. So it's 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 an interesting debate. And it was a, I really liked that comment from Hugh because it was, as I said, it was a, it was a perspective I hadn't thought of, but certainly makes a lot of sense. And I've got no doubt we're going to be coming back to this discussion uh, numerous times before the uh, before the season's out. Rugby on the Raw. Guys, um, the the big talking point from the weekend uh, was the the progress of the Indrua. Um, they are... Uh, it seems like they're well and truly ahead of schedule. Um, Harry, how, how have you seen them so far? They were, it's one of those, was one of those situations against the Queensland Reds in, in Brisbane that if, you know, if the game was two minutes, three minutes longer, they might just have run them down. I love, I love to watch them play. Um, you know, what's interesting about is as they're maturing into the competition, kicking wisely, uh, they're a handful. Um, mm. And and I do think their fitness is surprising some people. I think that's true of both of the, um, the inaugural teams. They actually have good conditioning. Uh, I think they paid attention. They gave themselves the gift of conditioning, the only thing you can really control. Um, and I do think they're finding their way. I, it, I think in the whole weekend, we had people going into a lead and then hanging on. You know, mm. like this, we had the same story of, you know, and, it's, and that's a skill, like, Ian just talked about durability being a skill of its own. Absolutely. You know, that's why some players just, you know, get the, the test jersey. But I think the ability of a team to go out in the lead and hold it and choke it off and say, no, this is my game is so critical. So I think Drew is going to do that. What they need to learn is how to build a lead and how to actually, you know, control a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to give they're, they're going to give people – uh, fits and then the Reds, I think, are just living like cardiac kids. They every match <laughs> is coming down. You know, Brad Thorne is having trouble. He needs a massage therapist or something. He's looking very cross at the end. It it feels it feels Pato, like um, like these close games for the Reds are either going to really steal them for the back end of the season or it's going to really implode badly on them. Yeah, well, um, it they, they kind of look rocks and diamonds at the moment, don't they? Yeah. They like they're absolutely brilliant, or you're kind of wondering, you know, what happened to them in the last 20 minutes? You know, like mm. it's almost like they've clocked off. They didn't get much from their bench last week, um, and the drawer kind of did. But just back to your question about the drawer, like I, you follow the NRC more than probably any man alive, Brett. Like I, <laughs> I'm surprised that you. That you're shocked at this, you know, like no, I'm not. the Drua in the NRC were insanely good and exactly yeah. the same trajectory, you know, like threw a team together from nothing. Um, you know, I think they'd made the finals first year, won it second year, something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. look, it may be it may be a stretch to say that the uh, Drua Super Rugby version can win the comp 
um, in the next couple of years. But I only say that because um, there are New Zealand teams that have to beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that they that once they once they get like they, they think of all the obstacles that that team has. They're kind of thrown together. They don't have any of their European based players because mm-hmm. the license came through so late that you know Simon Rao Louis had a, had a handful of really good players coming back and then they had to commit to their clubs because because mm. he couldn't give them certainty. So once you inject a bit more experience, guys who have played a lot yeah. of professional footy, you got guys there who are in their first season of Super Rugby. They'll only get better for that. They're always fit. I think the things that have that have surprised me is how strong their defensive structure yeah. um, has been and, and right through to the end of the game, you know, um, they were repelling Queensland as much as they were um, threatening them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, their forward pack has actually been... Um, really good. You know, more staunch than I thought. Most yeah. most pro teams, you know, think Wallabies 2019 in um, Sapporo, when all else fails, go to the rolling mall, right? Like, so that, that's the place that you can, you can kind of, you know, break open a Fijian team. Um, and you can see teams doing that now, like... Um, but you know Fiji aren't aren't relenting as much as as teams would want. You know, no. so um, look that game against the Reds was just fantastic. I think everyone run it, ran out of steam. Probably to be fair, um, <laughs> yeah. despite the referee giving everyone you know a fifteen minute um, <laughs> break at the half hour mark. Did, am I right in saying that that first half? Went for sixty five minutes. I, I heard I heard fifty seven minutes somewhere. Yeah, so that I, and I don't know whether that's right or not, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it was that a can, that can happen. Yeah, and that can happen when you get twenty five penalties against you, like the Reds did. Yeah, in that yeah. Game. And I mean, when you have yeah, we have three moments of foul play in the same passage of play, effectively. And you've, I mean, you've got to. I mean, we can absolutely open it. Anyway, yeah, sorry to create, sorry create to, another create another three hour podcast. Sorry to divert to no, divert attention, you, but no, the Fijian the Fijian um, team, I think, will look. They'll they will win. I reckon they're going to finish the season with another couple of wins. You know, I, yeah. I don't think that the Rebels game was a fluke. I don't think that the Reds, you know, let's call it an escape. Really, that that was a fluke. Um, they're going to pick off more teams. I've no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. And and they'll only get stronger. Next year, yeah. they'll be stronger again. And they'll be playing finals you know, yeah. next year, if not if not it's, this year. So the, the, the season that they start playing home games in Fiji is going to be the year that they just go to another <laughs> level. It'll be just... And, well, and, and, and you know, and, they'll all be... They'll be two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, won't they, when it's, you yeah. know, 48 degrees and... Yeah, um, 95% humidity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, they yeah. would... That that NRC team were pumping, yeah. Um, you know, good teams. They, yeah. you know, like guys who are now playing for the Wallabies, essentially. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Anyway. So yeah. No. It, I, I'm I'm kind of am surprised and and also not surprised um, if that and, makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense because I'm very much in the same boat. It's it's been great to see something new and something better from them each week. And and last week we saw the counter-attacking game. The week before we saw, you know, the set piece standing up. Um, you know, we didn't see much in round one at all. We also went, oh, is this Fiji? Um, but there's something every week. And you're right, their defence is holding up. Their, their scrum is good. 
Paul Cully wrote a great piece on the, early in the week that said that they're one line out away from being finalists, which mm. isn't mm. too far off the off the mark, I think. And I just mm. think I, I just think they're they're I genuinely think they're gonna they're they're gonna take a major upset at some point this season. They're just just so well, they're New Zealand, they're New Zealand esque. The yeah. New Zealand desk in um, burning you off a, a mistake, right? Like Australian yeah. teams aren't very good at that. Just a, a drop ball and seventy-five meters later, it's a try. And you, Fiji are doing it Already. repeatedly, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah they're, they're, they're never thinking of uh, they're never thinking of advantage from a knock-on. They're only thinking one thing: it's try. just scoop, go, scoop, go. You know, do something quickly, and mm. this is a this is magic to watch. They're not worrying about trying to win the scrum penalty, are they? <laughs> just thinking about that, just about going. It's it's been fantastic to see. What has also been fantastic to watch is France's march to the Grand Slam, Harry, in the in the Six Nations. You were you saw them firsthand on the weekend. You've got 14 pages of notes. I've just seen flip up there in front of the in front of your camera. Can they can they do it? Can they can they can they well I mean they, I think they can beat England on the weekend. This is this is their Six Nations to lose now, isn't it? Yeah, that's so. It, they have they have the the tournament in their hands, uh, one hand on the trophy, but the French did need to have a game like this, and the Wales will do this to you. Well, the Welsh have done this forever. If you're in Wales, even for five minutes, you'll see that this is how how the Welsh will do everything to you. It's they slow you down, they frustrate you. Uh, they're nice guys, but they make everything difficult. And this is the first time that a loose trio outplayed the French loose trio, which had been the form loose Lucy's in the t- tournament. Greg Aldred was taken out of his game. Uh, they found a way to just squash Antoine Dupont. And as I pointed out, France is um, too Dupont-dent. And the problem with having someone that good, but whether you run everything through Dupont, then you take away Dupont and it's trouble. And, and this is, you know, not rocket science, but no one could do it before, but you can do it. Yeah. And what the Welsh did is they were dragging him into every ruck. They were pushing him around. They were smashing him two seconds, one second late. Um, maybe you get called, maybe you don't. But he, he didn't enjoy the night. He was not a happy camper. They pulled him off early. Uh, so it's a big pack, but a big pack has that flaw as well, getting tired. They pulled them around. They kept the ball in play. The Welsh have done that against England for seasons now. Don't kick the ball out because English line-out's the, the only platform they can use. French, a little bit similar, but they attacked the French line-out. Uh, the French put Wacky up in the air on every play. Mm-hmm. So the French, so the Welsh had uh, six foot eight, uh, Will Rowlands being lifted by Adam Beard, six foot eight, and they were getting that ball every time. So suddenly the line-out was wonky. Jaminet is their one, uh, to me, their one problem. The French don't really have a good fullback. He's a great kicker, but his positioning's not good. And, um, and he was wobbly under the high ball. So Dan Bigger was kicking spirals, reverse spirals, um, you know, kookaburros. I mean, things were coming at Jaminet that he had no idea. He had never seen the second division in France. So I do think the ball technology would have been very interesting, Ian, on that match because I never <laughs> Liam Williams and Dan Bigger can do tricks with mm. the foot on the ball. And it was when you're there and you're actually watching it, and I was pitch side, it looked frightening to be a fullback. Uh, and so, yeah, they spilled it. So I think, you know, Wells is a tough team. They'll do that to you. They're stubborn and they make it tough on you. But that's what a championship team has to do is win. That one ugly game that you really shouldn't have won. Yeah. If John Davis catches the ball from 
Falatov was amazing. Catches the ball. Wales actually wins that match. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how England try and march up against them this weekend. It really will be. Um, we're, we've just, had... just a point on just a point on England real, real quickly. Yeah, the the whining about the red card is ridiculous. Oh, Charlie Ewell, of course, it is. Was picked was picked to be a workhorse. He has this is the third red card he has had for a high tackle in the game itself. He hit someone high. He hit Burn high seconds before that one. Burn is six foot seven. James Ryan is six foot eight. How do you hit a six foot eight guy in the head if you're anywhere near to the proper height of a tackle? Mm. I mean, give it a rest, guys. Yeah, no, it's we'll 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 absolutely come back to that because Ben O'Keefe made a great point on uh, on the breakdown in New Zealand earlier this week that I was actually going to play tonight, but we've run way over time, so we might save that for another chat for another day. Um, Pato, what are you looking forward to? This weekend, Super Rugby Round Four, last weekend of the Six Nations. What um, what what floats you about this weekend? Yeah, well, um, not nearly as um, as well prepared as, as Harry on the on the Six Nations. No, no, but look, no this one is. is um, this is, well, that that's clearly is, um, that's clearly going to go into the tax man um, this podcast, isn't it? That's why he actually went to Wales to commit to the, um, but. You know what? This is exactly the game that England will will win. You know what I mean? For no, for absolutely no scientific reason other than like just to ruin France's. Um, at, you know, and they've sat back and watched, as you as Harry rightly points out, like other teams, what's worked against them, what hasn't. Um, it, you know, Eddie Jones is kind of the classic. Um, he'll love the fact that he's under the pump. He's always under the pump. You know, in in the mid cycle of a World Cup. <clears throat> um, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he pays Clive Woodward to put him under the pump. So, because this is the exact place that he that he wants to be. Um, yes, yes. So, look for no scientific reason other than this is exactly the game that Eddie Jones will kind of relish yeah. to play spoiler and you know um, get their kind of their I guess their World Cup preparation kind of back on track. You know, can't wait for the series. Obviously, down here, that's all. That's going to be another kind of psychological launching pad for them. Yeah. Um, super rugby-wise, like, can't wait for the Reds-Brumbies, really. You yeah. know, like, they – it's the, the old cliche about, um, you know, they genuine, there's genuine bad blood between them. Did you hear about Darcy Swain's, you know, come, said at his press conference this morning they rolled him out because he's re-signed, which is great. Yes. And he, he said, um, you know, they carried on. They carried on after the, the grand final win <laughs> yeah. and we want to shut them up. And it's yeah. like – which from, well which, done, Darcy. Love it. Which, which, from memory, was exactly the same as what the Reds said about the Brumbies after the 2020 final. So, it's look, they, they can't they can't cop each other, and, and that's great. Like, yeah. uh, you know, that's going to add um, a really great element. The the best rugby is 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 when people care about the game. You know, there's there's the profession. The one criticism or one of the criticisms of professional rugby is you can roll through matches and they just don't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But these two kind of have got a great history. Um, and, you know, like, to be perfectly honest, the Brumbies are in incredible form at the moment. I really think that they um, they were chastened by last year's loss. They looked good early last year, didn't they, and then kind of yeah. fell away. Queensland kind of got it together. I think that they've got all the pieces humming at the moment. You look across that team and there aren't too many weak points and mm. they're going to want to win a comp for Dan McKellar on yep. his way out um, and can't wait to see 
how it plays out with those two teams. Yeah, no doubt, mate. It's been it's been fantastic to have you on. It's um, it's have, absolutely love to have your your insights, and it's great to see you just back writing about rugby again because you know. Oh, thank you've you. Got a, you've got a, a great a great way with words, and it's just great to see uh, your, the byline back uh, covering rugby. We'll um, we'll we'll have to have you on again as the season moves on. Of course, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Been fun. Yeah, the the roar. So the final round of the Six Nations this weekend, all three matches back-to-back on Sunday morning Australian time, Wales playing Italy in Cardiff, uh, Ireland Scotland at Lansdowne Road, and then France against England in Paris, as we've just been talking about. Uh, in Super Rugby already, um, there's significant doubt about the Highlanders and the Moana Pacifica game, as well as the Crusaders and the Blues games. Uh, I think it's a, a very much a watching brief on those games. There's certainly reports out of New Zealand on Tuesday that there's question marks over the ability for the uh, for the Blues uh, and the uh, the Highlanders to to have squads. So we'll keep an eye on that. But otherwise, some great games. Uh, no doubt the Brumbies Reds is going to be an absolute ripper on uh, on Friday night. Harry, um, I, I don't think there's any better way of putting it, is there? No, we have Le Crunch in Paris, and I think we have Le Clash. In the GIO, and yeah. it's going to be it's going to be box office to see magnificent magnificent Brumbies with uh, Nick White, the greatest sledger in Australia, going up against the Reds. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and that is us done for episode six of the Royal Rugby Podcast. You can find both Harry and I on the socials. And don't forget to have your say. Leave any questions on the Raw when the episode page lands. Uh, and don't forget to check out another week of Super Rugby Tipping, uh, which might be very interesting this week if a couple of games can't be played. Um, we mentioned charts earlier. We're not so big in Hong Kong anymore, but we are number one. We debuted number one on the Norwegian rugby podcast chart. So, again, hello to our Norwegian friends. The pod is on all the major platforms now. Like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do uh, to make sure you see the new episode whenever it drops any notifications as soon as it goes live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay and Harry Jones. Every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to your ears next week. Come play with us. Or, you know, maybe just Harry. <laughs> <laughs>